Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message uh, or the message for today. How many of you have a garden that you are currently uh, raising in Los Alamos? Yes, or White Rock, or wherever you're at online. How many? Of, okay. All right. How many of you have a successful garden uh, growing? Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm completely amateur. My wife and I, we've tried to plant things over the past 18 years in Los Alamos, uh, typically with no success whatsoever. This year, we we happened to strike gold. We did a homeschool project because when you're homeschooling kids during COVID, you're like, I'll try anything, right? So uh, we went to Metzger's, we bought some seeds, we bought the little things to germinate them. So that was one week, and then they started to sprout. So the next week was like, let's, let's plant them in. Only thing was, when you're, well, I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old son. When, when you do homeschool projects with five and eight-year-olds, it may not be orderly. And so part of it was they just dumped the seeds into the dirt. And so we didn't know what we planted or where. So it was totally... We're just got a surprise of what's, what's going to come up, if anything. Well, it started to come up. We didn't know what the heck it was, and it started to produce a fruit. We were, we were Googling pictures and things like that. We didn't know if this was a watermelon or if it was a, a green pumpkin or what. It ended up being a, 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 a zucchini squash, a, a round one, so not the, like the, the long cylinder-looking ones that you get at the store and it was uh, zucchini. The thing was, as we're going through this for the past couple of weeks, we didn't know what was going to be produced. We knew something was happening, but we didn't know what exactly was being produced. And in times of trial and times of adversity, we know something's happening, but we don't know what's being produced. How many of you know that God is also known as a gardener? God is is, is he's, he's referenced by Jesus as a gardener. In John 15, he says, he is the gardener. And Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. And sometimes a gardener's got to prune. Sometimes a gardener's got to make some cuts if he wants his garden to, to thrive. I think the wind's finally kicking in here. You can either just turn that off or, or move it over to the side. It's actually a good thing to have some air blowing through here. It's hot. It's hot. He says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And this is, this is where we're going today. He prunes. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. Come on. Some of you are going to leave your neighbor out. They're going to wonder, is there, is there something going on? There's more to the story. There's more that's going on even when he cuts. We talked a last a couple of weeks ago, the question was, how do I receive God's blessings? And, and we, sometimes we struggle even to receive the good stuff. Today, we're going to graduate from Christianity. I'm, I'm, this is sarcastic here, so don't take me literally, okay? <laughs> Christianity 101 to like Christianity 401 and the fact that we're going to find blessings in the pruning that there's more that's going on here. Does God cause bad things to, to happen to us so that our faith is tested? I, I, I really struggled with my answer on this one this week as I was trying to go through it. The answer was yes. 
<laughs> yes, he's going he's gonna to allow things in your life. He's going to test your faith. He's going to stretch your faith. Why? Because there's more. There's more fruit to be produced in you. There's more for you. He's not going to let you settle. And, and he's a good God. He's a loving God. Now, one of the things I want to clear up is when it comes to evil. Is God causing evil? No. God is, is allowing it, but causing it, no. And, and this is a difficult concept. This is not going to be a perfect illustration. But I have this umbrella. Rita, you remember this uh, trip that we took to, uh, to Mere Woods? We were supposed to be going on a cruise. This was a long time ago, but another pandemic hit swine flu. Didn't hit the U.S. so much, but our first day on, on the Pacific side, uh, we were on a cruise, made it to Mexico. We're enjoying it. And all of a sudden, something just kind of seemed off, and our cruise ship had to load early. And we found out that the swine flu had really hit Mexico, and they shut the borders to Mexico immediately. We couldn't even on our cruise ship be allowed on uh, international waters. So our cruise that we had booked for 90 degrees and beaches in Mexico ended up being 50 degrees and San Francisco, cold and rainy. So we got a trip to Mere Woods. This is our souvenir, which I'm about ready to destroy. Uh, does anyone have like a knife, pocket knife, anything? Yeah, Stephen. All right. Welcome, Stephen, to the stage. You're going to help me out. Let's say that this is, in a sense, good. God created this, and we're wondering, did God create evil? So, Stephen, what I, what I want you to do, don't poke me, but I just need you to just poke a hole in this as best as we can, or you can cut it out, or however you want to do that. All right. So, here's my illustration of evil. Evil is not this secondary substance where God is is fighting against evil. That would be what we would call dualism in, in theology. God is good. He is all-powerful. So everything was good. But now I am the absence of something is evil. The absence of love. The absence of good. The absence. It's so evil as we see it in a theological context is, is not created by God. It is the absence of something. So he gave us free will, and, and it is the absence of what God wanted for our lives, and that brought in evil, and that's how we, we, we see that. Thank you, Stephen. That's all I needed was a whole, you want a souvenir? You can have this. It's, 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 it's worthless now. <laughs> but I want us to see what, what evil is, the definition. You can just trash that. Yeah, thank you, um, of what that is. Now, this kind of leads us in a couple directions, okay? Because we, we, we know these two concepts, and then they can kind of seem almost contradictory. God is all-powerful, yes, and amen. God is all-loving, he's all-good, yes, and amen. Evil is real. So as we start to think about these two concepts, we have some options that we typically go through. And, and for a lot of us, it's like, well, if he was good, all-loving, then he would remove all evil. If he was good, he would. Or if he could, he would. So he must be lacking. He's either lacking good or he's lacking could. And so a lot of us, are in destination with that is God's not real because he's lacking in these two things. Because evil is real, we see it. But if, if, 
you have to be careful if that's the direction you go. And we've talked about this, and I've hammered in on this. If you, if you go the route of God doesn't exist because he's lacking good or could, God doesn't exist, then so goes evil with it. At that point, in a godless universe, you are nothing but cells. You are, are, are biology. Morals go out the window. Justice goes out the window. So it, it would almost be a denial of evil in that case. Like, evil's not real because God's not real, and you can't have. You can't have both. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about how we can, as Christians and under our theology, all of that is true, that you can point at evil and, and look at it and call it for what it is, to say that is wrong, and there is an objective way to look at that. Now, it doesn't make it any easier that we are dealing with the real pain and the real emotions and the real struggle of the trials in, that we're facing. I'm just, this is a very theological point. It does not help any with the pain that you are in except for God is all-loving, God is all-powerful, and he's in, the, he's in the business of redemption. And so we've got to do some work to get there today. I want to, um, there's more. There's more to the story. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes he, he, he cuts in order to produce more fruit. The, this, have, this might have seen this here, might have had you walk away from Christianity because you believed in a false god, that nothing bad would ever happen to good people. That is not the god of Christianity. And if someone taught you that and you walked away, good, because that's not the god that we get in the Bible. In fact, the opposite is almost promised. Jesus says, here on earth, here on earth, I have it up here, you will have, say this next word with me, you will have many trials and sorrows. But there's more. There's more to the story. Take heart because I've overcome the world. There's a lot of hope today, even in the midst of our struggles. I want to look today at, um, I could look at, gosh, countless stories in the Bible of where we wanted to go to talk about how is God redeeming things and working in the middle of our trial. I want to look at Paul today. Paul in 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't, uh, you can watch on the screen. If you're online, they're going to be on the screen for you too. Paul, uh, Paul uh, he used to murder Christians, and then he had an experience with God. We talked about that last week. He had an experience with Jesus and totally changed his life, totally changed the direction of his life. And you would think, okay, well, this is good. This is good news. And he starts spreading the word. And in chapter 11, I'm not going to read it, but Paul kind of outlines the highlights of his, of his career in ministry. And it kind of goes along the lines of prison. It goes along the lines of getting whipped and stoned, not with weed, but with rocks. He's getting beaten. He, he's faced robbers, shipwreck. He said he, he was being talked bad about by people who claimed to be Christians and believers, and they're talking trash about him. Anyone carrying some church hurt and some church wounds in their baggage with them today? All right, and Paul is, is facing it all. There's even one, like, 
can you imagine this? Paul's shipwrecked on Malta, not the place that he wanted to go, some random island. He had told the dudes, he said, hey, this is a bad idea. We don't need to go there. Those guys didn't listen to him. They get shipwrecked. He's, he's now there. They're fine. They survive. He's trying to put some wood on a fire. He's trying to do the, the pastor thing and helping and serving and doing his thing. And a snake jumps out and bites him. And now, not just any snake, a venomous snake. And it's sitting there just hanging from him. The people are like freaking out about it. What the heck, God? What did I ever do to you? So Paul, he talks about that in chapter 11. Then he talks about this experience that he had. Just he can't even quite describe it of how good it was and seeing God. But then he, he, he comes in chapter 7 and he says, so, so I just had this amazing experience with God, but to keep me from becoming proud... I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. I was given, almost sounds like a gift, a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. In some commentaries, as they look at that three different times, it's almost like not just three prayers. Oh, it was almost like three seasons of my life. Like I've begged God, I was in this season and I, I've just begged him to take it away in this season. So it's these, you can imagine kind of these prolonged periods. God, just get this out. And each time he said, my grace is all you need and my power, my grace and my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. That list that I put a chapter ago, a few sentences ago, that whole list, I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults and the hardships, the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We're graduating today, graduating from the, the kiddie table <laughs> to the grown-up table where we can have a buffet, to where we're not getting served, but we're going to feed ourselves some steak today. This is not an easy, this is an easy sermon to preach, not to live, to go through a trial, but to see a trophy in, in, in the middle of it. If I were to take a, a survey today and say, hey, how many of you would, would prefer a trophy. Like this, this coming Friday night, we're all going to get together at Ashley Pond for the, for the Gordons concert. And because the way that you've been living your life, you're such a light in our community, and the way that you're serving, the, the community has decided, we want to honor you and say thank you for all of your great work in town. And you'd be like, really? Yes, this is for you. How many of you would like a trophy or a trial? I want the trophy. I want the trophy. I don't, want a, I don't want a trial. I don't want to walk through this pain. What is, what's the cool, just I want to shout it out. What's the coolest trophy you ever got as a kid? Coolest award or trophy that you won as a kid? 
Come on, somebody won something. We, did, we got beyond the participation uh, awards. Did anybody, you win a spelling bee or something? We're like, come on. Bowling? Nate, the bowler? Oh, nice. How old? How old? 15. Fantastic. Anybody else? Come on. Wrestling? Awesome. Bobby? Most talented singer. <laughs> so you played a drum solo but one best singing performance best senior performance oh okay okay for a drum solo fantastic um for me um oh oh you're, people are pointing at, at other people <laughs> um i won as a five-year-old the Atari video game tournament uh, as a five-year-old in my hometown. I know my parents were so proud of, of, of that. I dominated some Centipede, Cubert, Froggert, and Pac-Man. Come on, anybody, come on, where's my Atari people at? It's okay, all right, I'm old, all right, all right? I, okay, <laughs> this is a side. I literally fell asleep on a park bench this last week. Um, I took my kids <laughs> to the park, I, it just no lie. And 10 minutes later, I woke up like, oh, I'm that old guy now that just falls asleep in, in random places, all right? Um, so, Paul has this thorn in his flesh. He says it's a messenger from Satan. He doesn't really tell us exactly what it is. Is it a temptation? Is it a person? We, we don't really know. He's kind of speaking in code here. We know it's something. To get real practical with you, to get real to the, the root of it, some of the hardest things that you face in life go unspoken. What you're really thinking about doing. What, what, what really you want, want to say, the things that you're really struggling with. You, I, you grew up in, in church. If you grew up in church, sometimes they would do the prayer request time, and you'd go around, go around the church and got your, this prayer request and pray for this aunt and this uncle's got a toe fungus and, you know, all these things. But then, it, then it'd be like, any unspoken, any unspoken, any unspoken prayer request, you know, and then someone at least in youth group, someone would raise their hand and you're like, okay, they're probably like trying to date someone and they need some prayer, but they don't want to say it in front of the group, but they go with this unspoken thing. But the unspoken things in our life, sometimes we speak in code around what's really what we're struggling with. I want to tell you right now, God knows exactly what you're dealing with right now. I may not fully understand it, but I know the one who does. And he knows exactly what you need in the timing. So he knows and you can talk to him about it. You can be real with him about it. This is why when Paul had this pressure of a thorn in his side, this something that was made, you know, think about it. A thorn is small, but if it's in, whoo, it's all you can think about. And it is tormenting him. So when this pressed into him, he pressed into God. When this pressed into him, he pressed into God. He, he, I got this trial 
I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the trophy here. Jesus is the trophy I'm searching for. I want the trophy, but it's not what I think in the blessings. The focus is, is, is on Jesus and my relationship with him. Here's what prayer will do. When you, when you lean in and press into God, and I'm going to talk about prayer a little bit, and you leaning in, it's going to ground you. It's going to ground you and sink those roots in to recognize this is not about me. I'm dealing with it, but this whole thing, as I press into God, it's not about me. When, when we pray, I, I want you to pray whatever's on your heart, all right? God, God can take it and you can be real, but at the same time, sometimes we have these surface-level prayers or you know, graduating from the kitty table to the, to the banquet table, we have these kitty table prayers of, God, just, ah, if you would just take it away, change her, change them, change the situation, and just get rid of it, and we just bring complaints to him. It's okay to complain to him, but at a certain point, you got to understand, this is going to ground me to say, there's something more here. Some of us, we have, we, we instead of getting grounded in prayer, and focusing in on Jesus, we'll listen to what other people, other people say about the situation. Some of us, we have listened to the voice of the enemy speaking into the situation and letting them define what that is. Took my son to a, a soccer camp a couple weeks ago, and he went and he played and he had a great time. At the end of the week, they had some award ceremonies. And uh, I'm proud because our, our, our Charlie, our five-year-old, he won the People's MVP, which was meaning he was the social kid in camp, but they actually kind of, I guess they kind of liked him or whatever. So he got the award. He was MVP, the people's MVP. And they were, here's the five-year-old, and they're chanting Charlie's name, and it was kind of cool to watch, right? So as we're, we're walking back to the car, saying, well, hey, good job, way to go, people's MVP, that's cool. This kid runs over from the crowd to our son and says, you weren't really the MVP, Mommy claws coming out from Rita. She's, <laughs> you know, like, what's up with this kid? And coming up, say, so you weren't the. And Charlie, to his credit, he's five years old. He says, I know. And then just walked off and ran like it didn't even phase me. But you know, as a, I wish I had that in me. And I don't know who told you what about who you are and, and what, what God thinks about you and what he can do through you, but you've believed it too long and we'll listen and we'll hold on to that rather than letting this ground. Some of us, we try to, we'll be in the middle, we'll be in the middle of this and we're trying to assign meaning to it. Hello, COVID. What are you doing, God? And then, you know, you have all these, you, I saw Christians, they're trying to be like, well, God's just sending this plague, you know, to get everybody, and this hurricane, and this tornado, and earthquake, and I'm like, you don't know. I know God's doing something, but I don't know what he's doing. How dare I? How arrogant of me to try to do that. But we'll, we'll try to assign meaning. You can't, you can't do church online. These, these cameras and, and me talking, you can't do church online. That's not real. Where do we get off telling God what he can and cannot do? Okay, it, it runs all the way around where you're telling God that he can't do something through you. Prayer will ground you. Sink those roots deep in. 
to say, who is this about? It's not about me. Prayer will grind you. It will grind you. He said, this was brought to me so I would not get proud. Ah, Paul, you got... You've got some great things going on, but you've got pride lingering there, there, buddy. And we're going to have to chisel this one out. And pride is a tough one. And so in order to keep you from becoming proud like you did this and how great I am, no, this one's got to go. And this is what it's going to take. Pride or prayer will grind you. Any, any parents that are just slightly competitive. And now when I'm saying competitive, like with your kids. Do, who's my parents that will, will beat their kids in a, in a game or an, on a board game or something like, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. We kind of like it. It's fun, right? I, I want my kids to win, but what? I want to be able to teach them how to lose and do it well. We can see right through it with our kids to say, they got some work to do here. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grind you a little bit for your benefit and for your health. Losing isn't fun, but it's going to help you so, so much if you'll take it and learn from it. Married people, just look straight ahead, all right? It will grind you. Marriage, I truly believe, if you're single, hear this. If you're single, hear this. Marriage is not meant to make you happy. That's all the married people laughing. Oh, he just complete me. He just, you know, he, you know, completes my sentences. We were meant for each other. And yeah, I really believe marriage is meant to make you better. Rita and I, we have different definitions of the word clean, believe it or not. We have different ways to organize the dishwasher. We have different ways on how we handle conflict. It is not wrong, but different. And she is not my enemy. She is not a thorn in my side. <laughs> I'm a thorn in her side. No, she is a gift. When I got this concept that I'm not perfect and God has blessed me with a life and a relationship, if you want a healthy marriage, a strong marriage, get in a good fight. But fight well. I've been in the dinner situations where you're with the family and it's that awkward conversation. Well, you said this and you said that. Well, you're crazy. Well, you're the one who's making me crazy. And it's like, I, like you know, that's not healthy fighting. We're going to get in a conflict. We're going to fight, but we're going to do it in a way that's loving and healthy, and it, it, it chisels away at some things. My wife, after being married for 17 years, I am better. I am not who I was when we got married. And she's saying, praise God, thank you. It'll grind you. It's a gift from God to make you better. So when, you, when, you're, when you're frustrated this, this week over that dishwasher or whatever, there's something inside you in your frustration that you need to work on. Because I can't change her at all, 
but I can work on me. And there's plenty in me that I got to work on. Sorry, that was my marriage seminar for about five minutes there. It will ground you, it will grind you, and it will grow you. Graduating to saying, I'm grateful, even for this thorn in my life. Even for this thorn in my life. I think of David. David, who, who slayed Goliath. And he wrote a psalm, Psalm 23, that many of us know. And he said, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though. That's it right there. That's the strength. That's the power. Even though I don't want to go through this, even though I'm in the middle of it. I hear Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they're saying, hey, you will bow down and worship or you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. You're going to be dead. And they say, no, we're not going to bow down and worship. And our God is powerful enough to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Even though, even though I'm right in the middle of it, God's with me. David goes to feed his brothers as a teenager. Dad says they're on the front lines. Go bring some food to them and check out and see what's going on. And he hears the taunts of the enemy David, or Goliath. And they'd been taunting the Israel nation. They're paralyzed. They don't want to fight. They're afraid and they're scared. And then David hears it and says, this is a God battle. He goes and faces Goliath the giant. We know the story. What did David have to kill him with? What did he have besides God? I know that's the Sunday school answer, but what weapon did he bring? Anybody? Slingshot. What did Goliath have? A sword. He had a, he had a sword. He had, a, he had a, 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 a shield. David, I don't think he was dumb. He was a slinger. You bring a, you bring a gun to a sword fight, and some of these slingers were deadly accurate. I don't think he was dumb on what he If he went hand-to-hand -hand with this guy, uh-uh. He went aerial. You try to go hand-to-hand -hand with your enemy, uh-uh. Go aerial. You got a prayer attack that gets you right into the throne room of heaven who knows what you need. And so this was a God battle that he's facing, and it's physical. It's right in front of him. It's real. I'm not It's not like, oh, well, that doesn't exist. No, it's real. And he kills him. Hits him, knocks him down. Actually, you want to know what killed Goliath? What did David do? He ran over to him and he grabbed what? Whose sword? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. He took Goliath's sword and he cut his head off. Gruesome. Goliath's sword was meant to kill David. There's more. The thing that was trying to take you out 
that the enemy was trying to use against you will be the same thing that you use to defeat the enemy. And I'm preaching right now, and I don't know if I got five people here or anybody that can praise God that he's going to deliver you through the thing that is trying to take you out. This thorn in my flesh was actually sent by a messenger of Satan, but God's using it to deliver me for something even greater and better. This is gory because he takes the head of David and says, this is a trophy. This, your mess is horrific. You don't even want to look at it. But I'm telling you, when you see what God can do to redeem things in your life, not only does it give you victory, but what did that army do next? The Israelite army, what did it do? It went from fear to fearsome warriors, and they went on the attack. There's more. The battle you are facing isn't just about you. It could ignite other people around you to say, I was afraid, I was scared, I didn't know what to do, but there's more, and now I can go on the offense. You are going to help somebody take their next step of faith in this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. I've got this thorn in my side. This thorn is in my side. And God, I've been praying for you to take it away. Three times in three seasons, I beg God, God, just take it away. It's still there. God, take it away. I don't want this. And it's still there. And it's like you just keep bumping into it and it rubs against you and it pokes and it's prods. And I, God, just get, I don't want this in my life. And it is okay to not want things and talk to God and say, I don't want this in my life. But at a certain point, it's like, hey, if this is going to be here, if this is not going to go away, then we better put this thing to work and give it an assignment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna press into God it's going to ground me. It's going to grind me. It's going to grow me. I'm going to take this thorn. I'm going to put it in through the lens and the word of God and see what he has to say about it. And I'm going to see where he wants to lead through this thing. Because there's something on the other side. Paul, you've got pride. And so I'm going to, I'm going to this is a gift that I'm going to, and you're going to face it. At some point, you've got to face it. knowing that the victory's already won. Somebody else that I know prayed three times for God to take something away. Jesus, he's in the garden right before he gets arrested. God, take this away. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to walk through this. But not my will. Not my will. Your will be done. God, take this away. 
I don't want this in my life. I don't want to go through it. But not my will, your will be done. After three times, he faced it. Been facing it his whole life. This thorn, it's not going away. And what did they put on his head? Thorns. A crown of thorns jammed into his skull. And the blood comes down. They whipped him and beat him to where he wasn't even recognizable. And when humanity was at its very worst, mocking God, killing God, when everything seemed so random, those Pharisees were just insecure, the Romans were just all about power, it seems like God had lost all control. His followers even ran to say, this ain't looking good, we're out too. And what do we know? God was in the business of redemption. When humanity was at its worst, God was at his very best and in complete control. The blood that came down was the same blood that saves you and I. It redeems us. We're not perfect. This evil that exists, God is good and loving and evil is real. And he's saying, yeah, and I've got it all taken care of. There's better days ahead. I've got to trust me in this. We got to wait. It's not here right now, but trust me and walk through it and you will be blessed and other people will be challenged not be, to, to take their next step, not because of how good you are. We're weak. We're admitting I can't. But we have a God who's already earned that victory for us. The battle's already won. The trophy is Jesus. Even if I die in this battle physically, Paul said, to die is gain. I get Jesus. I get Jesus either way. So I say all that as we close. Let's stand, let's stand, let's stand. To say Jesus is our focus in the battle. Jesus is the focus in the trial. Not what other people say, not what we think it is. James, we read this at the very beginning, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, is God testing me? Will he test me? Yes. Your endurance has a chance to grow. And say this with me. So let it grow. I'm not convinced at all. So let it grow. One more time. So let it grow. It's, it's, it's not fun, but this is producing something in me that will make a harvest beyond what I can think or imagine. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. My hardships are not meant to make me fall, but to make me soar. 
sore as in fly. <laughs> they hurt sore, but sore as in fly. They're not meant to destroy, but to develop. And how? How do I pass this test, Jesus? How do I pass this test? James gives us the answer in the very next verse. If you need wisdom. No, I want out of it. I want, I want, I want the whole circumstance to change. No, no. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. There's more. There's more for you. Let's pray. All right. So that one was a tough one today. Uh, I hope you felt in, uh, encouraged. I hope you felt inspired. Um, I know for me, some of the things that I'm facing that I'm wrestling with, it is hard to see that there's more, especially when I'm in the moment. And I hope God gave you a little bit of clarity on your next step. Do me a favor. If you felt like this message was helpful to you today, uh, share this message. I really believe God wants to go and there's more, there's more, there's more. Uh, and God wants to reach someone who you're connected with to help them as they're struggling and walking through their adversity. It really does spread the message of hope further and faster. And if there's a way that we can connect with you to help you take a next step, maybe you want to get baptized. Maybe, maybe you want to just get plugged in somewhere. Maybe you gave your life to Christ today. Um, let us know right now in, in, in the comments or message us behind the scenes. And we want to help. We want to walk, walk alongside you. Maybe we, we can pray for you today. Um, you let us know. Freedom Church, we have a heart to love other people and, and just take next steps together. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a blessed week. I'm praying that over you today. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see you online in a few.